Have you unlocked your ultimate potential? This is Retirement Revealed, where Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you towards making smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into retirement income. Today, we're talking with Jerome Myers about how to unlock your ultimate potential. Jerome, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. It's great to be with you today. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm somebody, I grew up being told I had a lot of potential, and I don't know if I've actually, actually unlocked all of it. So maybe we'll we'll solve all that in the next 20 minutes. <laughs> that's the goal, man. We want to be efficient. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Well, tell us more about yourself, Jerome. Hey, man, I am a corporate America dropout. Back in 2015, on January 13th, I started as employee number two. And by the end of September, I had about 175 people on my team. By the end of the year, we were doing about $20 million in revenue. And I got a phone call at 4.55 on December 24th. And it was something like this. Hey, Jerome, I know you and I have been going back and forth over the past couple of weeks, but I made a decision. We're going to lay about half the team off. I was like, nah, I don't think that's the right idea. And he said, I called to inform you of the decision. This isn't a negotiation. And I'm stubborn, Jeremy. So I went back and I was like, no, I don't think that's the right idea. I think we need these folks. He said, look, man, this is what we're going to do. And so you can be a part of that or not. It's up to you. But I'm going to go spend the rest of the year with my family. I'll talk to you in the new year. And so I did what a leader would do. I went through and tried to make the process as, as objective as possible. And in that, I realized that, man, this is not fun. I don't ever want to do this again. But I said I needed the experience, so I got through it. And so we put Humpty Dumpty back together again and make another run, another $20 million, another 30% profit margin. And it was getting close to the holidays again. And I saw the layoffs coming. I said, I don't want to do this anymore. So I dropped out of corporate and started doing real estate full time. Did that, built a multi-million dollar portfolio of apartments. And I was like, man, I miss people because it was pretty lonely doing the real estate stuff. People only wanted to talk to you if you had a deal or if you were sending them a check. And so I was like, I don't, I don't really love this. And I was like, what did I actually miss? Because I feel invigorated when I was in corporate. And the thing that I missed, Jeremy, was people saying, hey, I don't know if I could have done that without you. I was able to achieve something that I didn't see coming. And it was because of your confidence. It was because of your certainty. It was because of something that you gave to me as a gift that was kind of intangible that allowed me to realize or manifest something that I desired. And so then I got into helping folks who grow their businesses. And then I watched people exit their businesses. And I was like, what happens next? What now? And they started coming to me and asking those questions. And so there were three questions that came up. Is this really it? What was it all for? And what now? And so for the listeners, if you've been rolling those questions around, this is going to be a great podcast for you. And you talked about just for yourself, where you were in a bigger corporation and then you weren't, and you were missing. I'm. You, I don't think you use these words, but it seemed like you're missing the teamwork and the success part, right? And for someone who's retired, that's probably the same thing too, or about to retire. Where chances are you don't work alone by yourself in an office all day, and you have zero successes, right? Chances are that's not the case. Uh, right. If it is, you probably don't have the money to go ahead and retire. 
So you're getting ready to retire and you work with people, you've had some successes. Mm -hmm. I think that's right. Those three questions is, is this really it? What is it all for? And what now? And I'm guessing there's multiple answers to that. What do you find when you're talking to people you coach? Yeah. So I think most of us are chasing the American dream. We're taught from a young age that the goal is to get financial freedom or get work optional. And then when people get there, they hit the target, but they find it unfulfilling. It's like, hey, I was hard charging. I had something that I was able to put my energy into, and now I don't. And for many of us, if we think about the five people we spend the most time with, um, they're usually going to be family and the people we work with. Most of us don't usually have a whole lot of relationships outside of those two things. And so basically your entire world kind of evaporates when you walk away from the things that we do to earn money once we've solved our money problem. The issue, though, is getting the financial freedom always feels empty. It's what people are really looking for is fulfillment. And that always comes from serving people in some way. Now, some people think service just means that it's pro bono or it's a nonprofit. I don't necessarily agree with that. But I think most people, when they're earning, they're doing the things that they feel like they can get paid the most for. They're trying to earn money efficiently. And so when you've solved the financial freedom problem, I think the answer gets to, well, you don't have to be efficient in the way that you earn. And now it's about impact. And so what can you do to have maximum benefit? What can you do to have maximum impact for the people that you choose to serve? And the great thing about being free is you get to pick the problem and you don't have to worry about what the initial compensation for the problem is that you're working on solving. Yeah, when you said free there, it reminded me of uh, another coach out there. His name's Dan Sullivan. Uh, he does the strategic coach and he always talks about the different freedoms. I think he has four of them. Uh, maybe, you know, Jerome, all of those, but I know that's uh, time freedom and money freedom. And it seems like maybe the money freedom is actually the the first one. When you get to enough money, then you maybe have the ability to, to free up your time and the, the other different freedoms that, that he has puts out there. Although it's interesting too, because this idea of enough money, I'm thinking of a few stories. Uh, one of them is a financial services company CEO. He was telling me, that his company did a survey to kind of see what happens with people and their giving. You know, if they made more money, did they give more? As that's usually the thought. I'll, I'll give more money if I had more money, right? Uh, and it turns out, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you don't give more money if you have more money. You give more money if you feel like you have enough money. So it's more on the uh, the feeling of of enough part of it. And I've I've met people with millions and millions of dollars that uh, talk as if they're charitable, but I get to see their tax returns. And uh, they often aren't as charitable as as you'd maybe expect or hope to say, well, you've made it, you've got to this level and their, their giving didn't change. And then when I talked to them, I'm thinking of a couple in particular where it was a fear of, I don't have enough. And they clearly do. If you, if you don't feel like you have enough, then you don't feel like you have that freedom. So it's interesting where you, you feel like there's this dollar amount, like if I get to this certain dollar amount, then I'll be free to do what I want. And it's almost more like it's your feelings that need to change, not your, not your dollar amount. Well, so people just move the needle, 
right? Think about it. When most people are kids, $100 is a whole lot of money. As adults, you don't think $100 is a lot of money. And I remember when I was like out of school and I had $1,000 in my savings account, that felt really good. And then there was a point when $10,000 didn't feel like a lot. And I mean, the number just keeps growing, right? But what I think is really interesting is People usually do things based on percentages unless they say, I can't imagine spending that amount of money on a thing. And a perfect example for me is I I really can't imagine why my household needs to spend $70 a week on Starbucks. Like to me, it just seems kind of ridiculous. But as, as a percentage of our income, it's insignificant. Like it's not something that we should actually spend time on. And so when people are getting into this kind of freedom phase or when they get to this freedom phase, they move from a earner to a resource allocator. And we do some resource allocation along the way. And I mean, your business, you do a whole lot of it, but the primary function, a primary role for the folks once they're, you know, I'll call it post exit is to allocate resources. And the only way that I really understand resource allocation is through percentages. So when we can adopt that percentage approach and we say, hey, we give 10% or we give 20% or whatever we consider to be generous, I think it makes it a whole lot easier for folks to get okay with that. Now, 10% of a million is a whole lot more than 10% of 10,000. But in the grand scheme of things, the impact is very small. And it's really interesting because, you know, I like cars, right? Like one of my my goals is to own a Lamborghini Aventador. And some people are like, how could you ever spend that much money on a car? But when you look at that as a percentage of earned income or that as a percentage of net worth, for some people, you know, that amount of money on a car is a whole lot less than what the percentage of somebody who drives a Toyota Camry would be spending on their vehicle. And I just think that just brings things in perspective for folks who are struggling. Yeah, I'm I'm looking up the uh, Lamborghini Aventador price, and that's a uh, that's a decent decent price that's out there. It's a decent looking car. I can imagine uh, why you want to <laughs> want to have a car like I think that. It's more the decent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Decent. Uh, man, I'm trying to humble brag, I guess, uh, for anyone that owns a uh, Aventador. Not, not me. I don't. Uh, but I'm not as much into cars as like there's there's something that's you know, important to me, perhaps I say, oh, well, that, that thing I want to spend money for. And that's maybe a, a motivator, which is interesting. Just, just to finish up kind of the, the dollar amount versus the percentages, which is, which is interesting. It's worth thinking through. And maybe that's a, a mind shift we've got to make on there because a lot of people we talk to, they, they saved, they sacrifices, they, you know, maybe they made a hundred grand over their, uh, as their salary, but they're putting like 30 grand of it, uh, away every year. And so for them to say, um, they're kind of used to the putting away 30 grand every year. And then all of a sudden they take a hundred grand out. I mean, that's a big, that's a big mind shift. And really just looking at the percentages of, you know, you were saving 30% every year. Um, and now you're taking out, you know, 4% of your, your net worth. So maybe a percentage is, is a uh, helpful way to approach it. Oddly enough, I'm working on kind of a, um, what I call a retirement dashboard. I don't have it complete yet. So I haven't put it uh, out there, but it's an idea looking at four different percentages. <laughs> and so it's funny you said that of, of, I was trying to figure out how do we on one sheet of paper kind of show someone if they're covered for retirement or not covered for retirement. And all I was looking at was the percentages. I wasn't looking at anything dollar wise, because it's almost the 
percentages matter. that matter. Can you cover a hundred percent of your income? You know, that that's good to go. Whether you have a dollar in the bank or a million dollars in the bank, can you cover that income need? So I was looking at the percentages, uh, but I do want to tell you a funny story because uh, you said when you were younger, you know, a hundred dollars would have meant, you know, the everything that's just, just is a huge dollar amount. My wife uh, does something with her kids every single year of, makes them answer like 20 questions, you know, who's your friend and what's your favorite TV show. And there's a question in there that says, what would you do with a thousand dollars? So my, my nine-year-old writes, it's her birthday this week. She writes, I would buy a car, a house, a dog, and everything in the world. <laughs> so with a thousand bucks, she wants to buy a car, house, dog, and everything in the world. So it's amazing how, um, how dollars are relative, I suppose. It is relative. <laughs> it's funny the the oil change for an Aventador is like fifteen thousand dollars or something, right? So just the the thought of the thousand dollars and how far she'd make it stretch. But maybe it's a dollhouse and maybe it's a toy car and you know maybe she mm -hmm. can make an investment that's endowed and they can buy all the other things in the world. I, I'm really surprised though because I mean. Jeremy, you live in a world where, I mean, you see commas and zeros a lot. And I think sometimes um, we can kind of become numb to the numbers. And, you know, 10 million isn't that impressive anymore. You're a decamillionaire versus a centimillionaire. Okay, great. Like, at the end of the day, though, I think there's selective extravagance, what you talked about. He's like, hey, cars aren't my thing, but maybe it's travel or or maybe it's giving to a charity. And like we we endowed a scholarship at my alma mater. Right. This is one thing that's big for me. And so every year, uh, engineering student, we're trying to get it to two. But every year, our engineering student gets a full ride. Right. The room, book, board, all the stuff. And for us. Well, I went to school and I didn't, I didn't graduate with no debt. So it was like, well, if we could do that for somebody else, like how big of a deal could that be? And then what doors would that open for them? And does that accelerate their ability to create and generate wealth? And we think it does. And so we think that investment will change other people. And hopefully that it's the catalyst for uh, wealth creation in a way that most people wouldn't expect it to be just on the surface. And so that's why we made that investment. But whatever it is, and this is the great part about it, when we're answering the question, is this really it? What was it all for? And what now? It's always for you. Like Everything that's happened on your journey has led up to this point to prepare you to do the next thing. Figuring out what the next thing is can be difficult if you're trying to figure it out on, by yourself, because we, traditionally or typically we diminish the things that we're good at. We don't actually see the skills and the experiences as being as profound as they are. We don't actually understand how the things that we've encountered can help other people. And a lot of times it's really valuable to bring somebody in to help us, what I say, read the label on the jar. Right? If you're standing in the jar and you're trying to read the label, it's really difficult. But if somebody's reading it to you, you can often say, I never thought about it that way. Or do you really believe that that's how people see me? Or I didn't think that that was special. That's another one I hear a lot, especially when people have been taught to be humble. Yeah, I suppose. And it's uh, echoes to one part. Uh, you, you were telling me earlier that uh, when you retire or you sell your business, you have some sort of change where in a matter, you, you probably gain something, but you might be focused more on the loss of something. Uh, oh. And you're probably having this uh, doubt 
in six different areas. Uh, the self-image mm-hmm. is kind of what you just mentioned right there, but uh, also relationships and work that we've talked about earlier. Uh, and there's three others that I really want to key in on because especially when you mentioned about that skill part, there's three other areas that you feel you might have doubt or loss in when you have a retirement and it's health, prosperity, and significance. And that skills part is go, really goes to the significance of, of does my life really matter, right? You were producing something and uh, it, you, you might have this thought that, well, I'm not producing anything more, you know, it's, it's all done. Well, you have the same skills. And yeah. yes, that skill might've been, you know, putting together a specific machine, but your skill really wasn't putting together that machine. Your skill was, you know, problem solving and, and things along those lines. And so how do you take those exact skills and create some significance when whatever was significant before is kind of taken away. So how, how do you take people through something like that? Yeah. So what you mentioned is the founder's exit paradox. It's like all this great stuff happened. I should have amazing feelings. I should be happy. I should be grateful. But for some reason, I feel uncomfortable. I feel uneasy. I might feel some shame. I might feel guilt. And you know, the doubt starts to pop up and you're questioning whether or not you even deserve to be in the place that you're in because, you know, you didn't do anything special other than work for however long you did or solve whatever problem you solved. And so for the health, prosperity and significance, those are levels four, five and six. The first three levels, self-image, relationship and work, all of that stuff is usually tied to stress. And so if you don't manage your stress, then you usually do something to numb the pain and it's usually detrimental to your health. When we're working in the health space, like I I think it's a great opportunity once you have the time and you should make the time, but once you have an abundance of time that you actually work to increase the quality of your life. Right. And so that for me is health. It's all encompassing. There's aches, there's pains as you get older, but there are a lot of things you can do to make sure that you age well. From a prosperity standpoint, we talked a little bit about like the the holding on to, I call it money hoarding, where it's like you have more than enough to do what you need to do, but you're scared to let the money, release the money, enjoy the money because you're so used to the delayed gratification concept. You don't even know how to enjoy the money because you've decided that you're just going to abstain for so long. Um, Sometimes people ask questions like, can I even spend the money or do I need to save it for the next generation? And I think it gets real, it can become really unhealthy. The other thing that I think, and that's why you need to reach out to people like Jeremy is because they're, when you're managing that type of revenue or those, that level of assets, there are some people who have some ideas that can help you manage that stuff. Well, you need to get that advice. And then on the significance front, my favorite question to ask people is, if you die today, who would carry your casket? And most people don't have their six names. They don't know who it is. And so it's my goal to help people create a legacy where people fight over the opportunity to carry the casket, where people stand in line and say, hey, well, you carry it some and let me get in later and carry it a little bit. And it's just their reverence. It's their desire to honor you and the impact that you made on your life. And so you're going to have to do something pretty special to create an environment where that happens. And so that's why I think it's so important that we actually spend the time focused on impact once we've already solved the income problem. 
Yeah, it's it, it's I like that. It's, uh, you, you solve the income problem, and now you can focus on the impact. And that's a great question of if you died today, who would carry your casket? I, I haven't heard that one before. I, I like that one. Uh, do you know? The health, do you got your six? Do you have your six? Yeah, good question. Uh, I I would guess so. I don't. I mean, I can. Um, I'd have to think about it, right? I I, I would think we could get six. I think I could get six on there, right? I don't know if people will be fighting over it, right? Unless I put something to will, right? You can put something to will saying, hey, guess what you get? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, when it comes to that that health uh, piece, I just read this article how, and I think a lot of people believe that you get to a certain level and it's almost too late. And maybe that really is the case for some some people where you you have ignored your health for, for so long. But the article I just read this past week is how uh, most of the people, 95% of Americans that have diabetes is the type two, where it's really diet and exercise that caused the diabetes. And they did a study where they got uh, they got 60 people to actually stick to a diet and exercise program. And more than half of them reversed the type two diabetes. Mm-hmm. And of course, there are some that didn't reverse it. It was maybe kind of too far gone, but you, you got a better than 50% chance if you're in that situation from this the study that you can reverse some of the the health issues that you've had uh, before. And of course, if you have more time and more money, what else do you need to do besides take care of your your health, right? I just, someone else I uh, just had on recently, she said, when you're working, your job is your work. When you retire, your job is your health. And I think that's just good Whoa. mindset to say, what do I do next? Well, number one job is your health because you can't uh, spend the money you've earned if you don't have the health. That's why a lot of people are telling me I've got to take my social security early because I won't be healthy 10 years from now. And I think, well, not with that, that attitude, right? Um, well, but it's a thought, right? Uh, that, that your health is a big piece of what do you do with your money and how do you spend the time uh, with your family? Yeah. I, I think a lot of people, um, they question, am I going to use all the wealth that I built to get earned back the health that I lost? Mm-hmm. And that, go is why we encourage people to start focusing on health as soon as possible. Saying you don't have time for the one body that you get while you're on the planet is mm-hmm. a really difficult uh, pill to swallow for people who um, actually understand the value of it. And, you know, we took a pause this year as a family and started focusing more on our health. And I'll tell you, man, that pesky sugar, that oh, yeah. thing just does so much damage. And if you can get that under control, and mainly uh, people like me in particular, or p- people like the person I used to be, you know, we'll, we'll gorge on the sugar trying to numb the stress of life. And all you really got to do is go deal with the problems that are creating the stress. And then maybe you don't mm-hmm. need as much sugar, you know? Yeah. Well, I can tell you're in the coaching profession because you got all these great uh, questions. Uh, that other one just that popped out to me is how do I use the wealth that I built to earn back the health that I lost? Thank you for, for sharing that one. Uh, I've got a question for you. You're, we're talking here about uh, coaching and, and people exiting bi- uh, businesses and, and retirement. How do you envision spending your retirement? I am in the business that I am going to do until I tell my kids, tell me they don't want me in the business anymore. So what I, I just finished up a, a really cool book called uh, Building the Life That You Want by um, Arthur Brooks and Oprah Winfrey. And they talked about in the close of the book that in the end, the goal is just to be a teacher or a mentor. Mm -hmm. 
Like that is the greatest honor you can have. So you spend all this time learning how to do things. You have all these experiences. And then the goal is just to guide and help people on their journey. And so in what I do, everything builds on itself. And so I become more and more valuable because of the things that I understand as I go along. And so it's my goal to help people find their what's next until the end of days for me. Um, And I can do that from anywhere, which gives me location freedom. I pretty well have the financial freedom part and it's something I enjoy. So, you know, I, I get to hang out with really cool people working on really special problems and helping them figure out how to make the world a better place. I don't know that I could actually come up with something that I would enjoy any more than that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And I, I, I would be right there with you, uh, working on my business or helping others uh, really work on that business by the time they, they get to that point. Well, what have I uh, not asked you that, that you're wishing I had? Hmm. I think the, the question that I want more people to be aware of is, am I the only one? So there's a lot of people who go through what we call the founder's exit paradox, like all of those feelings of undoing or detaching from the thing that they've done for so long. And in that, they start questioning, am I weird? Am I the only one? Or they'll say, yeah, I knew about one person. Like there's so many people who say, I never want to retire because everybody I know that retires dies within a year or something like kind of crazy. And I don't think that's actually true, but maybe they think that is true. And so they have this big fear. At the end of the day, when you detach from the thing that you're doing, you're going to have some mixed emotions. You're going to have some mixed feelings. And that is completely normal. But it's up to you to use the right coping mechanism techniques in order to move out of that so that you don't self-destruct, so that you don't implode, so that you don't create a lot of collateral damage for the people that you say you love and care for. And then you use that to go and find your what's next. And I, I just think there's so many people who suffer in silence because they're scared to raise their hand and say that they're having an issue. They don't want to be seen as ungrateful. They don't want to be seen or thought of as somebody who uh, didn't appreciate the things that came to them or they didn't recognize their position in life. And I, I just think it's a great tragedy for people to suffer that way. Yeah, I think that's a great question to ask is, am I the only one? Because uh, chances are the answer is no to, me, to anything, right? To, right? to that question. And, and two parts of it that come to mind is is maybe where you get to the point where you retire and you've got a little bit of guilt of, you know, I've, I've got more money than my uh, family or I've got more time than uh, my coworkers. And, and that guilt maybe is a thought of what if I am ungrateful, right? Uh, uh, which if you are down that path of, I don't want to be ungrateful, I think focusing on the things like uh, your significance and, and mentorship and others are a great way to to avoid that part. Uh, but I also think there's some interesting outside pressures too, where um, we work a lot with clients that are with uh, Harley-Davidson and We Energies in Wisconsin. And there are some corporate jobs and there are some less corporate jobs. Mm-hmm. And I found with some of our clients that are maybe more the, the blue collar 
right? You 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 go in and you put in your time for 30 or 40 years, uh, but there is sometimes less of a uh, acceptance of, of good for you for retiring. Because I'm, I'm saying this not because I'm trying to pigeonhole how you might feel if you're in a certain job or profession, but because I've heard it where I've had uh, people that kind of work on the line at Harley Davidson or work literally on the line, they're called linemen. They're working on the electrical lines at We Energy where they announce that they're retiring and some of their coworkers that aren't retiring, well, how do you get to retire? You know, who, who died and left you money? And they're thinking, you know, I was the one saving my money for 35 years and not buying a brand new motorcycle and not doing those vacations. I, I put in the sacrifice. So it's it's an interesting thought on there where there can be a lot of almost fear and guilt and jealousy when it comes to uh, retirement, either self-created of, of a bit of internal guilt if you're looking at others or others looking at you, they might express uh, their own jealousy and, and dealing through that's an interesting interesting topic for sure. When we dig into self-image, and this goes into all the identity stuff, we we evaluate it in four different metrics, but the two that I think are really important here are what you just named, um, how we think other people think about us. And the important part with that one is you don't know. You can only know what you think they think. You mm-hmm. don't know what they actually think. You might, if you have the gift of being an empath, you may feel what they feel, but you don't know what they think. And you can make up whatever story you want about what they think. The other one is how you feel about yourself. And that is usually impacted more by your ability to keep promises to yourself than anything else. Yeah, that's great stuff. Well, I've got one more question for you, Jerome. Before that, tell us what's the best way to get uh, to reach out to you? Yeah, if they want to learn more about the Exit Paradox, then jump over to theexitparadox.com. And there you can get our white paper. And that white paper breaks down the five mistakes that most founders uh, make when they're exiting. And then we've got another one that's longer that actually gives people a full breakdown on the different coping techniques that you can use if you're struggling with the Exit Paradox. Yeah, appreciate that. And I'll put uh, that link in the show notes, theexitparadox.com, and also a link to that that book, Build the Life You Want uh, by Oprah and the other person. I'm gonna have to, <laughs> when you Brooks. write a book with Oprah, you realize you're going to be the second person on the uh, <laughs> on the uh, tag there. Um, so we'll put the link to that. Uh, and of course, if you want more ideas on how to avoid big retirement mistakes, go ahead right now and click that subscribe button. All right, Jerome, final question. Tell us something about yourself that few people know about. And remember, this podcast is rated clean. (laughs) I think my favorite thing to do is go caving or spelunking. I I love caves, both domestic and international. And uh, we we try to go do that. And if we're not doing that, then we're chasing ruins. We like uh, ancient ruins as well. That's interesting. Now, how many ancient ruins do you find in a cave? Oh, so I don't know that I've ever found an ancient ruin in a cave. I think there's always ties. Like we were just in Belize and we went through a cave and uh, they told the story. They they were talking about it was flooded and we were doing it in tubes. And they talked about how uh, the Mayans thought that this cave was the gate to the underworld. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's always really interesting 
um, stories that go with the caves. The tour guys, I think they get pretty creative, kind of like uh, those horror, what are they called? Um, those mystery, like haunted mystery tours. We did right. One of yep. Those oh, yeah, one for time. sure. So they get pretty creative. Awesome. That's fun. Well, if you're around the Midwest, there's a few caves that are around here. I can I can point you in the right direction, Jerome. Oh man, that's pretty cool. We did we did a, a cross country trip this uh, summer, and we went to the largest one in in North America in uh, Carlsbad, New Mexico. We walked four miles in a cave. Oh my goodness, that's craziness. That's awesome. Yeah, it was amazing though. Oh fun. Well, thanks for hanging out, talking with us about unlocking your ultimate potential. Although. We didn't address that directly, I'd say. I think unlocking your ultimate potential is really a matter of of going into kind of yourself and, and addressing these issues that we did really key in on about uh, your self-image and the things you do to to numb your pain. It's almost like unlocking your potential is taking away some of the things that might be holding you back. It is. It's all about what you don't do. It's not it's what you do. It's all about what you don't do. It's about the restriction and it's about the discipline. And then on the backside of that, it it gives you great degrees of freedom. That's how you get your financial freedom. And then that then turns into uh, the significance piece because you have the, you have your time back. Yeah, you got it. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Jerome. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, and thank you for listening to the Retirement Reveal podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. This was another great episode of the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to automatically get our latest episodes. If you liked our show and want even more, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Please go to retirement-revealed.com to learn more and send us your questions and feedback. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners, Thrivent, or its affiliates. The guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by Thrivent Advisor Network. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal accounting or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have with your investment planning. Advisory persons of Thriven provide advisory services under a doing business as name or may have their own legal business entities. However, advisory services are engaged exclusively through Thrivent Advisor Network LLC, a registered investment advisor. Kyle Financial Partners and Thrivent Advisor Network LLC are not affiliated companies. Information in this message is for the intended recipients only. Please visit our website, www.kylefp.com, for important disclosures.